Hey folks, this is Jeff of The Movie Lovers. I just want to give you a heads up that in this upcoming episode, there's so much content that we actually had to split film faves off into a separate bonus episode. But this episode will actually refer to film faves being as part of the episode. Apologize for the confusion, but you should be able to watch out for Film Faves 1993 as a separate bonus episode later this week. We hope you enjoy our fall movie preview. Thanks. I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie lovers. lovers. Welcome Hello. to another episode of the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we talk about what we've been watching in the, since the last episode in our weekend review, move on to our main event, which is either a subject of discussion or a main review, and then the third segment is Film Faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. In this episode, our main event is our fall movie preview and shanna what is our film faves topic this episode we are going back to 1993 that's right 15 mm -hmm. no 25 years ago 25 years ago that's insane so it should be very oh. interesting well just a little bit of history that mm -hmm. means south africa was officially out of apartheid for its 25th year that's interesting no kidding. You're yeah. talking about this year as its 25th year. Yeah, okay. I, I believe so. Now I could be wrong because that happens in life, but very cool. Very cool. Feel free to verify that. At any rate, let's get started with our week in review. Shanna, you haven't been able to watch much on your own, but you have finished one season of a series. Well, what is that? Yes, I am now up to date with Handmaid's Tale season two. And I found that in season two, I was really craving character development, especially with the meanies, so the bad people. But then I, as soon as I realized that that was what I was craving, I was then craving character development from the goodies as sure. well. Yeah. Not that it's bad at that, but I guess I was just looking for the next level. Like everything's ramping up and everything's getting worse and everything's getting more turbulent and I, I just, I wanted the characters to st start doing more. And in order for that to happen, more shit has to go down. And I was quite satisfied by the end of the season. It was, you know, there were a couple new actors and actresses making their appearances. And I was, I was very pleased about that. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense if you're going into season two. You know, season one kind of sets the stage. Maybe you have a little bit of character development with a couple key characters. Sorry, plot-driven, though. It makes sense that you want the world to be expanded even more in the second yeah. season. Yeah, you want to see what... Because, you know, they kind of break it up into colonies, and uh, that's not a spoiler. And we didn't get a lot of exposure to that in season one. Mm. And this time we definitely did. And we also got to see what was happening in the rest of the world. And that was exciting mm. because it it felt real. All of it really feels real. I got to go with a great friend of ours to one of her baby's stress tests. She was about a week away from giving birth. And it was a very interesting experience. When you're watching this show, you're a little 
hypersensitive in that you're paying attention to things that you've never paid attention to before. And I found that during that appointment, the medical technician was doing a great job at shaming my best friend. And I wouldn't have seen it like that had I not watched season two of Handmaid's Tale. Mm. I would have just been like, well, that feels a little off. But this time I was, you know, because of that exposure to season two, I was really hacked off. And um, it was a very interesting experience. So, you know, there's always commentary about what's actually happening out there that we might not be open to seeing. And I feel like it does a good job of opening our eyes for it. So I recommend highly that men watch this mm-hmm. maybe not with their wives um i have a friend well and that's why i'm still behind well yeah you know because uh I, I i haven't seen the show at all i was hoping to watch it with you you recommend it's not a good not idea doing that yeah not- and there's just too much stuff for me to try to catch up on so i haven't had an opportunity yet but i really want to because mm-hmm. apparently it's like it's the shit apparently it's like one of the best things out there right now it really is very cool. Well, that is The Handmaid's Tale Season 2, which is, of course, available on Hulu. I got to watch only a couple of things on my own because we actually have a fairly sizable R week in review, so we'll get to that in a minute. But first thing I got to watch on my own was First Reformed, which is a film by director Paul Schrader, and it stars Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. Now, Paul Schrader is a writer, uh, he's, he's a longtime screenwriter and a, di- a director. I'm not a big fan, generally, of the films he directs, I have discovered. Even though, you know, he's considered to be legendary. Just to give you an idea, in case you're not familiar... He directed such movies as Cat People in 1982, uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, Light of Day with Joan Jett, and Affliction with Nick Nolte, which is a highlight of his career. But I think what killed it for me was 2013's The Canyons with uh, Lindsay Lohan, which was just an abysmal film. And all the other films I've seen of his... First of all, they're not exactly fun. <laughs> uh, they're very, very serious dramas most of the time. Canyons was uh, just like on par with The Room in terms of how awful it is. It's just so bad. But I will say First Reform, which he wrote and directed, is quite the opposite, and I was very impressed with it. And for those who aren't familiar, Ethan Hawke plays a middle-aged priest who gets asked by Amanda Seyfried, who is a fairly young wife who's pregnant, to counsel her husband, who has some radical environmental ideas, as she does, only he is completely without any hope, right? He's he's in, in despair. He's clearly depressed because he feels that we've gone past the point of of no return in terms of how we have treated the environment and here he is about to be a father and he's not really convinced that he's bringing a life into a promising future so ethan hawk basically has a conversation trying to counsel him and things go from there this is not a very 
exciting film in, in the traditional sense. It's not fast-paced film, but I did, despite that, find it incredibly riveting. It's riveting because of the conversations that are having, the conflicts that exist within those discussions, and what happens as a result of those discussions. I really enjoyed this film almost 100%. The last five minutes are the only things that I kind of like wince at, because I don't think it stuck the landing, and I think it does end abruptly, in a very odd, open, quote-unquote, open to interpretation ending that doesn't quite work for me. But it is a, a, otherwise a really damn good film, and I highly recommend it. I think it went under the radar of most people because it was in the you know, indie film circuit. It's available to stream and rent right now. Definitely seek it out. First Reformed, Ethan Hawke, great performance, worth checking out. Next on the other end of the spectrum, I finally caught up with 2017's Lego Ninjago movie. Now this film stars Jackie Chan, Dave Franco, Fred Armisen as a, a supporting character, Justin Theroux is in there, Zach Woods, Michael Pena, Kumail Nanjiani. So this is the third Lego film. They're not a part of a series. They're all different, right? Except for Lego Batman and the Lego movie, I guess, are related because, right? Isn't Lego Batman a spinoff of the Lego movie? I mean, I guess, yeah. Right? This one is not at all related to the others. Mm. It's taken me, I don't know why it took me to, so long to get around to it, but I guess its reputation was that it, it did not meet the brilliance of the original Lego movie. And I didn't think that Lego Batman movie did either, but I thought Lego Batman movie was hilarious film and very enjoyable. Mm. Lego Ninjago movie is definitely like number three on the list qualitatively. It's a little bit more obnoxious. It doesn't, it's not nearly as brilliant or as clever, but it does have a lot of funny moments. And I think the standouts really. Uh, the voice actors it is Dave Franco. Dave Franco, who is, of course, the brother of James Franco. He's got a really great voice for voiceover. And Justin Theroux, he plays a character named Garmadon, who's the villain of the film. And, of course, he actually is Dave Franco's character, Lloyd's father. This is actually revealed in the trailer. And he's actually hilarious in it. I'm not a big fan of Justin Theroux. He just hasn't been in really anything that like gets me excited about him um, starring in a film hmm. i almost like kind of nothing him i'm not like i don't dislike him i don't love him he just is for me but i really liked him in this movie quite a bit and uh you know it's probably just slightly above average for your animated kids film well and i wonder how it compares to the tv show that's existed for years on cartoon network Oh, I haven't seen any of that. I always assumed that well, that stuff was kind of subpar and not really, like, of the same kind of style as the movies. I guess I just wonder about what effect that has on a movie. Like, once you are an already established film medium, you know? Even though it's a TV show, it's like, okay, you exist out there as a TV show. You have dialogue, you have character development. Right, right. I'm pretty sure that, you know, there are a couple seasons in. And 
I want to know like what fans, existing fans, thought of it. Okay. Because it's you know it's one thing to see a shiny Lego movie, and then it's another to go from a t- you know mediocre TV show they're just trying to get you know work within a particular budget, and then it becomes shiny. So are you trying to say like you're wondering if fans of the TV show are confused and thinking this is related to the TV show? No, I'm just I'm wondering how they felt it compared. Uh huh. Okay. Because no it idea. takes what the TV shows already established. Does it? And okay. Yeah, because what we did get to do was ask our son, like, okay, well, why does Lord Garmagon have two body parts? You mm-hmm. know, he's got feet and then two body parts, um, and then he's the torsos. Torsos, mean. yeah. Um, and so he had an explanation for that. Mm-hmm. But was didn't it differ from what was actually said in the movie? Who knows. Yeah, so Shanna, Shanna's pitching in because she saw parts of this movie. She didn't see um, most or all of it, but she did see some of it, like like uh, some scenes with Garmadon, too. But um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have a whole lot to say about Lego Ninjago movie. It's not one of those movies that you really dive too deep into. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Worth a few laughs for sure, um, but definitely not, like, great. Let's move into our week. We have a handful of films that we've seen since our last episode. Actually, one that we forgot about in our last episode to talk about. That is Proud Mary, which came out, I think, February of this year, which starred Taraji P. Henson, who's a star of that uh, TV show on NBC Empire, which I've never seen. Have you seen that? Oh, I have not. I have not had the pleasure. Yeah. That, that movie, or that TV show, has made her career explode, but I've never really seen her anything. Uh, for those who don't know, Proud Mary is essentially about uh, a hit woman who, of course, takes a child under her wing to try to protect this child who basically is, has some relation to do with one of her hits and could cause her trouble if certain people know that he's around. This movie did not get very good reviews. It did not last very long in the theater, if I remember correctly. But you and I had, I think we had listed it as one of the things that we were most excited about in the new year. Mm-hmm. Shanna, how did the film live up to you, to your expectations, and would you recommend it? I don't know if I can really recommend this film. I was kind of disappointed about it. It reminded me of Lucky Number Slevin. Did you ever watch that film? No, no, I didn't hear any great things about it. Yeah, it felt like the same rhythm. It felt like, you know, okay, we're going to get a, a particular kind of film based on the trailer, and then that is not what happened. And that's kind of what happened here for me. I guess I was expecting something different, uh-huh. and I wasn't impressed with what I received. Okay. So I can't really recommend this film. I guess I was just really disappointed. I think I liked it more than you. I I thought Taraji P. Henson was perfectly fine in it, and actually I, it made me want to see her in more roles like this. And, you know, She's very obviously very strong, very confident, very capable persona, and this character is definitely uh, all of that and can kick ass and, and kill... And I believed her in it. I believed that she could definitely hold her own against anybody that she was up against. But I, I think, like, 
it is a pretty straightforward uh, action thriller, mm. and I don't. I think I was okay with that. I think if you're not, if you go in not expecting it to blow your mind, you'll probably be okay with it. Um, one, one of my only things that I remember kind of reacting to, taking it up, taking me out of the movie, was it actually does use. Proud Mary by Tina Turner, the song, um, which you know, is the title of the movie, but it doesn't, and it's really like edited in there odd, in an odd way. It feels like jarring, hmm. and it doesn't quite feel natural with what is happening on screen. And I feel like as soon as it gets introduced, it cuts away to someone talking, and so it immediately like mutes it a little bit, and then. It cuts back, and it just, um, it, I don't know, the editing of that scene was really, really funky to me, the sound editing. Hmm. And that's kind of, like, the worst I could say about it. I actually didn't mind it. I actually liked it, and I wouldn't mind seeing an even better uh, film, uh, another, like, Proud Mary 2, that's even better than this one. Well, and I'd be open to a sequel. I, I didn't have a problem, just to be clear, I didn't have a problem with any of the actors or actresses. I just, mm-hmm. I was disappointed in the story. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so that's Proud Mary. The next film that we watched is The Killing of a Sacred Deer by Yorgos Lanthimos, who is the director of The Lobster and for cinephiles will know of Dogtooth a couple years even before that. Very challenging European director. Uh, this is his second film with Colin Farrell. I almost said Colin first. That's a completely different movie. Uh, his second movie with Carol- Colin Farrell. Uh, this one also stars Nicole Kidman. And a brief plot synopsis of this in case you're not familiar. Basically Colin Farrell befriends a teenage boy uh, who is the son of a man who died on his table essentially and it's about essentially what happens from that relationship shanna what did you think of the killing killing of the sacred deer i think you named this one of your most anticipated movies of fall movie season last year did it meet or exceed your expectations i think it met my expectations maybe exceeded it a little bit there's this rhythm and subject matter of the dialogue in the first part of the film that's really strange and makes me feel really uneasy just you know and the music in the background i think is really spooky and so it's almost like a halloween track the halloween playlist Mm. that i'd make (laughs) but it's just it's it's really strange and i feel like the film strongly relies on colin farrell's voice like he's almost a part of the music the way Mm. that he sounds he's got a very particular sound to him but it's such a weird film and just the way that you know this meeting happens with him and the boy and the way that uh, Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman have sex is just so strange Um, it's very very (laughs) red flag material there everything moves really slow and everyone is really cordial with each other even when talking about getting a period and I just, I was really fascinated by the film because of this weird uneasiness that, you know, was happening. Mm -hmm. 
like Colin Farrell is just a really really bad person <laughs> I feel like he's the worst parental figure ever mm. to his son and he turns on a dime for his daughter and right. it's very interesting in that regard and I, I don't I can't really put my finger on Nicole Kidman's character because I feel like she takes a lot of what her husband does and says and just kind of accepts it you know mm. and I felt like I needed her to fight harder for her children i really enjoyed the film that's interesting i will say first of all this is clearly a movie that is not for everybody yogos lanthimos is not a director who's for everybody he is however a visionary he is one of the most unique voices that we have in cinema this decade mm. uh, to come from this decade and i am grateful for him and the challenging films he is creating you didn't like this film did you i i found this film borderline unbearable i really had a hard time getting through this and you know for whatever reason like i kept kind of putting off the movie um partially because i heard mixed things about it but like i don't know you got to be in a mood for yogos i guess and i just kept not being quite in that mood for whatever reason but boy oh boy this movie people speak in like monotonous unexpressive unemotional tones throughout especially the first half of the film i think it evolves towards the second half where they're a little bit more expressive but it's it, it's really hard to relate and get on board with these characters when they respond to each other in the most bizarre ways and this film it does get more and more bizarre like things happen to characters that are just weird and the, the film doesn't really 100 percent explain how or why certain things happen to certain characters yeah you kind of just have to blindly accept i you know i understand there's supposedly something going on on the surface i think this is an adaptation a modern retelling of a classic mythological tale and i haven't done the research to really dive into that and chew on it maybe because i was kind of done with this movie after i i first saw it it, it was a real chore i i did not like this at all i, I mean this makes the lobster feel like a good time at the movies comparatively <laughs> or even dog tooth too if you've seen dog tooth so I did not like the killing of the sacred deer, but I'm really glad that you you did. Does it make you look forward to the next thing he he makes? Yeah, I feel like maybe he's setting up a scale. That's mm. how I'm kind of interpreting it as well. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. I think that if you were to look at his filmography, I haven't seen Dogtooth, I don't think. And yeah, this is going to be one of his more challenging ones. That's mm. like... You're either going to like it or you're not. Whereas, like, The Lobster has a lot for people to think about and talk about, whether you liked it or not. It's not for everybody either. It's a no, very challenging film. But you can have a discussion about it. It has much, it's much more accessible than this film, I think. People, like, there is an arc to it, I feel like. There's... People actually, even they're kind of muted, but they still kind of like behave in ways you can relate to, you know? And you yeah, but understand. there are quite a few characters where it's like, what the fuck kind of world are we living right, in? Right, yeah. And I guess he kind of ran with that in 
killing of a sacred deer. Right, right. So it'll be interesting if he... It could go either way. Like, it could be even more of the monotonous kind of thing. Are you excited about his next movie? Just knowing, oh, Yorgos has a film coming out. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to see how you're interpreting things and how you're making things. Uh, That's the best thing that can be said, I think, regardless of whether or not you like his work. If you're able to to be challenged by him and still be excited about what he's doing next, that's probably the best thing. What's his next film about? Uh, We'll get into that in the next segment. But we have two more movies to quickly uh, talk about. They're both documentaries. They're both about people <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you call those but um, biographies fir- uh, yeah, kind of the first one is robin williams come inside my mind on hbo uh, it's one of those hbo documentaries we have a few that we're still trying to catch up on but anyway yeah. robin williams come inside my mind basically it it is going through robin williams career but as the title suggests from the perspective of helping understand robin williams Shanna, what did you think of this documentary? Okay, so when you said that evening, oh, we're going to watch something, and you kind of just went for it, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting to watch this, because I was expecting to just cry the whole time, uh-huh. because, you know, the loss of him is just so sad and yeah. so Yeah, even heavy. four or five years later. Oh my God, has it been that long? Yeah. Oh God, that's just horrible. But when we started, you know, I I only know him from... My first experience with him was Aladdin, Mm -hmm. you know, and then later I got exposed to some of his other stuff, but I I didn't really get exposed to very much of him, honestly. Until later in your life? Well, I still haven't been exposed to a lot. Really? So a lot of his stuff that was in the documentary, I mean, it was a huge range, you know, they they of course included Aladdin and Good Morning Vietnam and... Uh like how he started like it's a really well-made documentary it really intricately details the process of his acting and his comedic acts you know from the very beginning until the end and so for that alone it's fascinating seeing how he evolved and then obviously he changed because he had developed is it was it alzheimer's no, it wasn't Alzheimer's. There's a form of Parkinson's. Oh, as I understand Parkinson's. It. Yeah, and you know, drugs will, you know, whether they're there to help you live or not, they'll totally change who you are. But I think to be clear, it was yeah. the illness that was changing who he was yeah. already. So it was really, oh my God, I laughed so hard. I was like, why are you gone? (laughs) So there were these really wonderful highs where he would do something absolutely hilarious. So as a viewer, you laugh hysterically. And then there were these really low points where you're like, oh, yeah, he's no longer with us. Mm. And it goes up and down for me. And like, I think we cried in this at least twice Mm. um, and laughed the rest of the way through. So it was a really well-made documentary. It made you feel, it made you, gave you insight into what it was like being him. And that's really important when there's a documentary about someone. You want to know who they are, not just, you know, what they produced. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. This is definitely not a surface-level cursory look at his career. You get elements of of that as it kind of goes through his life but really it is trying to explain you know as the title suggests come inside my mind it tries to explain 
what his thought process was and his work and and where he was at certain points in his life and the struggles he had and you know as such i got a lot more insight into him you know like i think people forget he was an actor first and then he became a comedian um i think people you know they get introduced they got introduced to him as a comedian first and so when he started doing things like good morning vietnam and and Dead Poets Society and Awakenings are like, oh, a comedian's are an actor, you know? I think that's where some of the comparisons with Jim Carrey to Robin Williams came later on. When, in fact, no, Robin Williams actually studied acting. And yes, he went to Juilliard. Right. Good God. Yeah, yeah. He, he did acting first. And then, you know, because he was just a brilliant comic mind, he, he kind of broke out and, and kind of, challenged himself by doing these crazy stand-up acts too which really really um, helped him and then you know he got the sitcom mark and mindy after the happy day stint and anyway it goes on so i was uh, i found it very satisfying very interesting and also you see footage of him you, you get to know him as a person a little bit more in case you in case all you knew was his manic you know uh, hilarious mrs doubtfire aladdin talk show persona you know mm. you, got, you got to see a little bit more about him and, and and i appreciate it for that so i think it's you know hbo has done another knockout knockout job uh, with another one of their documentaries it's definitely worth streaming i think it was very important that you mentioned like you got to see what was beyond what we're used to seeing yeah and i think the way that they did that was really great they had so many different sources mm-hmm. to not only interview but also draw from so they had people that they interviewed who shared stories about him on a personal level Mm -hmm. but they also had like these different layers of media happening so not only did you have like old personal photographs you also had like publication photographs and then you in addition to that you had uh, not only the interviewers being talked to but you had clips of what he had said in other interviews mm-hmm. that's right so yeah. it was really really an that. audio and visually rich documentary very so, yeah. cool so that's robin williams come inside my mind we recommend it on hbo lastly and probably very briefly here we saw one of the summer's documentaries rbg which of course stands for ruth bader ginsburg is a documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. A little bit different than the the, doc, the Robin Williams documentary in that this is a little bit more of a cursory go through her entire history sort of thing and mm-hmm. how people respond to her. What did you think of this documentary? There was a huge sense of pride that I felt when I saw this documentary because it was about a woman's life uh-huh. from essentially beginning to end Uh and it was in such great detail and it makes me think like should I have picked a different career (laughs) like should I have picked should I have considered going into law (laughs) and making such a huge difference in the way she did and then you know as the movie unfolds because she's done so many great things and then as the movie unfolds you start to realize that because you're watching a film about a woman who has achieved such great life-changing things for this country that eventually affected the world 
you start to realize that because this one woman is capable of doing this, you as a woman are capable of doing this too in your own field. And so it was a very motivational documentary for me. And not only, you know, trying to find my womanhood and practice my womanhood and, you know, do my power, but also the way they portrayed her and her husband. You don't see that enough at all. And there was just such a huge love there. And I feel like, you know, when people get married, sometimes, you know, when you're getting knocked around by the realism of life, those little twinkles in the eyes can sometimes fade away, but, or at least get a little tarnished. And whenever I see something like that, where that twinkle, they didn't let their twinkle go out. I just get more and more motivated to keep our twinkle going. I think that it was, I I really appreciate that this film was made. So I highly recommend it. I, I found this, I found it informative because honestly, I didn't know much about her. I've only been aware of her the past few years when she actually started getting a little bit more notice, a little more notoriety. Uh, I now understand what the memes mean when they say I dissent. I kind of, I'm kind of wrestling with, does this film challenge its subject enough? Or is it just praising the subject the whole time? I, I don't think that she's not worthy of praise because she's clearly done things in law and, and, and with our laws that have been hugely influential. And I didn't even know that that was the case. And this, this helped me understand that. Hmm. And that's all great. But, like, you know, I think the closest we, we get to calling her out on anything is when she as a judge spoke out about trump as a candidate in the general election i think Mm -hmm. it was that was something that because of her position was extremely unprofessional and uncouth of her to do and the most we get is, uh, you know, there's a particular stage interview that we get a lot of footage of throughout the documentary. Um, more so, I would say, or at least equal to footage of her being interviewed by the director of the documentary. And in that stage interview, she says she probably just should have not said anything. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that digged deep enough. And also, on top of it, do we really get a sense of okay what has changed where she's constantly having to dissent against the majority ruling on so many cases why is it that she's not able to find the common ground and help her peers like agree as a majority together with what she's saying you know i don't know i don't know i'm 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 kind of scratching at the, the issue of is this a superficial documentary is it just preaching to the choir or does it actually try to dig at something okay put it this way i feel like a documentary about jack scalia or a, a documentary about clarence thomas i feel like that would be completely different than this documentary about ruth bader ginsburg mm-hmm. you know and how much of it is like ideology bias and you know is the documentary being unbiased 
Well, okay, think of it this way. If you think about all the male heroes of America, let's start with George Washington. I mean, when you're a kid, you're told about how peachy everything he did was, and quite frankly, that's not the case. Do we get that with Ruth? Like everything being peachy? Learning that that's not the case. Well, I think it's possible that it is not the case. But do you get that from the documentary? Yeah, I get from the documentary that, yeah, she's slipped up, like, essentially twice that we know of. In, like, 50 or 60 years of career. She's on the Supreme Court. She can't fuck up. Right. So, quite frankly, I I believe it. And, honestly, it's really fucking nice to see a documentary about such a successful woman. It is, And I'm not going to knock it at all. And if something comes out in a decade that we didn't know, I will then question what I witnessed and go from there. But how many female documentaries like this are out there of really successful women who aren't singers, you know, musicians of some kind, actresses, uh, you know, any kind of performing arts category? Take that out. And what are we left with? Quite frankly, bring on the female films, please. The well, I'm not heroines. criticizing it for being a female. I know, I know, but what, what I'm trying to come at, is, what I'm trying to express is that I'm just happy it's around. I'm okay with how they did this film, mm. you know? Gotcha. I'm not looking for a film that's going to scrutinize her at this stage. Hmm. Well, I would be interested in just rewatching it myself and seeing what my thoughts are a second time through. But that might be good. regardless, I did enjoy the film and I would recommend RBG. And it sounds like you definitely do as well. Oh, yes. If, if you guys didn't gather that, <laughs> <laughs> we have a problem with communication then. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on because uh, we have so much ground to cover and we have taken a lot of time already. Okay, so now it's time for our main event, and it's that time of the year again. It's time for fall movie preview. The summer season has finally ended with the Labor Day weekend, which at time of recording and, well, posting, just passed by. So what we do for our movie previews is we go through three months at a time so in this one we'll go through september october november we'll look at the movies that are being released in that time frame month by month and we'll each talk about a couple movies that we are looking forward to most from each of the months now the fall movie season of course is where things get interesting a lot of times because that's where a lot of the studios start to bring out their films that get considered for awards or at least they hope will get considered for awards and the awards season kind of starts to kick off and also this season is very interesting because not only because this year arguably has been a the first half of the year full of mediocre films and only a few highlights but there's a lot of interesting films coming out a lot of famous directors have films coming out we have uh, films by shane black damian chazelle paul feig ruben fleischer dan fogelman david gordon green lassie hallstrom 
Marielle Heller, which, Shanna, you're a big fan of Diary of a Teenage Girl, but she directed. Barry Jenkins of Moonlight. Yogos Lanthimos, who we mentioned before. David Lowry, who previously did A Ghost Story. Steve McQueen, Jason Reitman. Eli Roth has a family film coming out, which is crazy. And Brian Singer. But also, this fall season, we have a series of actors who are going behind the camera and I think most of these are for the first time we have films by Paul Dano Jonah Hill Ike Barinholtz of Cockblockers and Bradley Cooper so let's get into the films and what it is that is coming out starting with September I'm going to use both Wikipedia's article of 2018 in film and Entertainment Weekly's article of the fall movie preview to help us uh, make sure we capture all the movies coming out. Starting with the first weekend, which is the seventh, that has the new horror film from the Conjuring series called The Nun. Then there's Peppermint, starring Jennifer Gardner uh, as a woman who is basically taking revenge on the death of her family. Then we have The Predator, directed by Shane Black, with uh, Jacob Tremblay, Olivia Munn, Thomas Jane, Sterling K. Brown, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, so that should be exciting. White Boy Rick is a film that stars Matthew McConaughey about a real-life story about a teenager who becomes like a mobster. A Simple Favor, um, these are on the 14th, directed by Paul Feig of Bridesmaids and Ghostbusters. He's taking a turn towards Thriller with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively in a story about um, a friend of Anna Kendrick's, played by Blake Lively, who suddenly goes uh, missing. And Anna Kendrick's trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. Then we have Lizzie, which is a, a film about Lizzie Borden, starring Chloe Sevigny and Kristen Stewart. And Belle Canto, starring Ken Watanabe, that's directed by Paul Waits. This is a film based on the novel by Anne Patchett, which is about a siege in, I think, um, Japanese embassy of Peru. Uh, that also stars Julianne Moore. Jenna, we saw a trailer for that not too long ago. Eli Roth's family film, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, comes out with Jack Black and Kate Blanchett and Kyle MacLachlan. Dan Fogelman of This Is Us has a film called Life Itself on the 21st, starring Oscar Isaac, Olivia Wilde, Mandy Patinkin, Olivia Cook. Annette Benning, Antonio Banderas as Samuel L. Jackson. Of course, Kira Knightley has another period piece biopic coming out called Colette, which is about the poet and author who I believe wrote the book Belle Epoque. I, I could be wrong, but uh, that also stars Dominic West. And then we also have that same weekend. The Sisters Brothers, which is a, a Western comedy starring John C. Riley, 
Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed. There's also the comedy Night School, which stars Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart. Basically, Tiffany Haddish is a teacher, Kevin Hart's teacher at Night School, and he has to go to Night School for whatever reason, and hilarity ensues. Then there's the animated film Smallfoot, which turns the legend of Bigfoot, or Yetis, as it appears to actually be, since they're in the snow mountains, snowy mountains, starring Channing Tatum, James Corden, Zendaya, Common, Danny DeVito, and many more. Then David Lowry, who directed A Ghost Story and Pete's Dragon, comes out with The Old Man and the Gun, which uh, seems like a 70s throwback starring Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, Danny Glover, Tom Waits, and Cece Spacek. And then there is the a couple documentaries, I believe, coming out in September. Lastly, we have Hal about Hal Ashby. We have Love Gilda about Gilda Radner, the comedian from Saturday Night Live, the first a group of comedians and also lest I forget I think we're alone now which is a apocalyptic story starring Peter Dinklage and Elle Fanny with the director of Handmaid's Tale that's right Reed Morano you're absolutely right oh and one last documentary Quincy about Quincy Jones which apparently is co-directed by his daughter Rashida Jones so, Shanna, that's September. What are you most looking forward to? Well, I think that September is going to be an interesting month. Mm. Nothing here seems like, why the hell are they making that? Yeah. Um, everything looks like it's going to be either interesting or at least decent. So I am really looking forward to... It was very difficult for me to actually figure it out. Yeah, September is a packed month for sure. Yeah, they just threw everything in there. Come on, guys. Spread it out a little. I do have to comment that I'm really glad that, you know, we get to see Jennifer Garner again in Peppermint. You know, I love... I love seeing her going through that kind of Uh storyline. You know, it's always fun to see Elektra. I mean, Garner. So, <laughs> but what I'm really looking Watching forward to... Watching the movie Electra is not always no, fun, not. let's be clear. <laughs> so this looks like the Electra we wanted, you know? Yeah, um, in a way. So I'm very, uh, you know, I'm happy about that one. Is it the one I'm looking most forward to? No, because I had to select my best three. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. Well, cheater, I had to comment. I get one. Okay, I get one. So and what ones are you actually looking forward to? I am to? really looking forward to Simple Favor. Yeah. I am very curious. Uh, you know, a friend goes missing. It's a thriller mystery. And yeah. I am... It's it's got um oh what is her name from Blake Lively yes it's yeah. got Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick and yeah. Anna Kendrick it's right. really I'm like that's a really interesting actress duo too yeah so I really like both of those actresses too and and Paul Feig he uh, Bridesmaids is great I think he did also that that comedy with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy oh I know what you're talking I, about the name is escaping me right now yeah. and um. You know, I didn't think Ghostbusters were terrible, but it's definitely not his best work. So I'm interested in him changing direction here in the oh. thriller, see what he can do. Well, this so will be really cool. Yeah. yeah. 
I also feel like it's it's almost like uh, we get to see the other end of Gone Girl, like the crazy pregnant lady. It's not, you know, directly, I know it's not like that, yeah. but it it really did make me think. Oh, we get to see the other side. <laughs> it definitely has shades of Gone Girl. Yeah, we'll see yeah. what happens though. What else are you looking forward to? I am also very much looking forward to Lizzie. This just looks like cinemagraphic drool, so <laughs> I, I I can't wait to see that one. And I think we're alone now because hello, director of Handmaid's Tale. And I mean, I was thinking just a second ago, I love anything Peter Dinklage is in because yeah. I love seeing Peter Dinklage yeah. with whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Even Elf. And it's like yeah, really yeah, weird. Yeah. And I love Elle Fanning. Yeah. And anything fantastic. she wants to do. Just about, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, whether she's the... the two or three year old in the Steven Spielberg mini series taken or you know if she's 20th century woman is really where I was like oh my god I love you so yeah yeah for me it was uh, super eight I was really taken with her oh yes that too super eight yeah yeah those are all really great let's go watch that now for me (laughs) the movies I'm looking forward to most is first of all the predator Shane Black coming back to the film he co-starred in in 1987 and doing his thing. He's been on a streak this past decade with some really great uh, films and like Iron Man 3 and um, uh, the film he did with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. The name escapes me right now, but that was a really fun, fun film. And uh, yeah... The Predator, man. I would love to see... Like, I actually was a fan of Predators from, I don't know, several years back. I thought that was actually the first proper sequel to the original Predator. I would love to see what Shane Black does here. And it does look pretty badass from what little I've seen so far. I think you have great picks, and I have great picks, and they're different. Yeah, they are. Uh, The next film I'm really looking forward to is David Lowry's The Old Man and the Gun. I'm just really charmed by the trailer. I This may be Robert Redford's last starring vehicle. And I'm very curious, especially since Pete's Dragon was pretty good. It was definitely better than the original Pete's Dragon, in my estimation. And Ghost Story was one of the best movies of 2017. Uh, I really love that film. So I'm really curious to see what David Lauer does with this um, based on true story yeah that trailer made me very curious there's a lot of curious inducing trailers curious. for september yeah, absolutely. absolutely and then lastly i'm going to choose the documentary love gilda because i want to be i'm very interested in learning about her I, i've never really had a whole lot of exposure to gilda radner especially as a person and i'm really taken with movies about comedians or about comedians talking and so that of all the documentaries all of the documentaries actually interest me a great deal but that one probably is the one that interests me the most of the September documentaries so now let's move into October oh my gosh there's so many good things not quite as much in my estimation as September, but we do have some good things. You're right. We have starting off, we have Venom, directed by Ruben Fleischer, who I believe did 
Zombieland, if I'm not mistaken. We have Bradley Cooper's first film, A Star is Born, which is uh, another remake of that story, starring Lady Gaga um, and him, <gasps> and Dave Chappelle, it. and Sam Elliott, and Andrew Dice Clay, which is an interesting casting choice. The Happy Prince, starring Rupert Everett. This may or may not be his first film directing. I'm not terribly sure about that one. Uh, but it, this is a film about Oscar Wilde. Uh, starting with his imprisonment for gross indecency. And it also stars Colin Firth, as well as Rupert Everett, as, um, as Oscar Wilde. For those who aren't, can't quite put a face to it, they would know Rupert Everett from My Best Friend's Wedding as the gay friend. We also then have Damien Chazelle's next film, First Man, which, uh, which is, of course, about Neil Armstrong and his mission to the moon. Yes, I think that that looks phenomenal. Yeah, Ryan Gosling, Jason Clark, Claire Foy, Kyle Chandler. That's a great cast. We have Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a kooky little film directed by Drew Goddard of Cabin in the Woods a few years ago, which we were big fans what? of. That stars Jeff Bridges, Chris Hemsworth, John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, and Nick Offerman and Russell Crowe. Basically, it is a hotel that sits on the border between two states. You cross a line, and you are in one state, and it's completely different on that side of the hotel as opposed to the other side of the hotel where you're in another state. Very odd, very curious. That same weekend, we have Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween, which does not appear to have Jack Black back. The people who do star in that, by the way, are Wendy McClendon Covey, who is a great comedic talent. So I'm not sure what, what she's going to be able to do with it. Chris Parnell and Ken Jeong also star. Beautiful Boy, which stars T Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet and Maura Tierney, Amy Ryan and Timothy Hutton, is a, f a film, I believe, about... A father and son, and the son is going through a rough time. This is a, actually based on a real memoir written by the father and son, and it's about their relationship and, and the as the boy goes through some challenges in his adolescence. Then we have The Oath. That's the film directed by Ike Barinholtz. That also stars him, Tiffany Haddish, John Cho, Carrie Brownstein of Slater Kinney in Portlandia, which is very intriguing. That's basically a political comedy about a family divided by, you know, partisan politics attempting to make it through Thanksgiving. Very much a comedy of today. And we have the David Gordon Green's remake of Halloween. Uh, actually, it's not a remake. I, I, I should correct myself. According to all press... It isn't a remake, but it follows directly after the first Halloween oh. and ignores all the other Halloween sequels, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis as an older Laurie Strode. Judy Greer also stars and Will Patton. Can I watch that on mute in the movie? <laughs> Maybe. In the movie house? Well, not in the movie theater. <laughs> I'll just bring my like soundproof EMFs. <laughs> a few more on movies. We have The Hate You Give. Starring Amon La Stenberg, Regina Hall, and uh, Sabrina Carpenter and Common and Anthony Mackie. We've seen trailers for that one. That's basically about a teenage uh, black girl who 
goes to school with uh, white kids and kind of a private schooler, if I'm not mistaken, but also hangs out with, you know, um, people from her neighborhood, which is a, a black community, and what happens when some uh, civil unrest occurs and she feels that she has to pick a side and make a stand. Then we have Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is Mariel Heller's next film, director of Diary of a Teenage Girl. That is also co-written by Nicole Hall of Center, which is Triple very... F rated! Yes, and then the, the, the final piece of that puzzle is Melissa McCarthy is the main character. I love that I can just give commentary on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Richard E. Grant, Jane Curtin, Anna DeVere Smith also star, and Jennifer Westfeld. So this is basically about a woman who commits plagiary and gets famous off of it and digs herself into a big hole. It's kind of a, a darker indie film for Melissa McCarthy. We have Serenity, which is a moody, dark, kind of noirish thriller starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway and Diane Lane, Jason Clark, Jamon Hongsu. Where basically Anne Hathaway tries to hire Matthew McConaughey to take care of her husband. Very double indemnity like. Then we have uh, Paul Dano's first film, Wildlife. Uh, first film he's directing, I should say. That stars Carrie Mulligan, Jake Gyllenhaal, and is written by Zoe Kazan, which is very interesting. It's based on a 1990 novel about a boy who watches the marriage of his parents fall apart in 60s Montana. So that might be interesting. Jonah Hill's first film, Mid-90s, comes out, uh, starring Lucas Hedges and Catherine Waterston. I don't have too much information on what that is about right now. And let's see. Oh, a couple more movies. Johnny English Strikes Again with Rowan Atkinson and Olga Kolyanko. Uh. The remake to Suspiria also comes out with Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, and Chloe Grace Moretz. Shanna, what mm. are you looking forward to most in... October. You know what's really interesting is there's two really great horror films coming out that have done really well in the past. They're, you know, franchise. Suspiria was really important in horror uh -huh. filmmaking and obviously Halloween as well. And the thing is, if I could just watch it on mute with subtitles, I would go and I would do it because mm -hmm. I just, it's too intense for me. I mean, I thought I could get through the trailer of this new Suspiria, but then I, I couldn't. I found that I couldn't. Yeah. Whereas I could get through, you know, the trailer to the old one. Okay. Not but that not the I've, film. Not that I've actually seen it. Right, yeah. So is that... You know, it's just so... it Like, they're known for their color, so... Oh, Suspiria is. You yeah. Mean. So I wish, I wish I could watch those. But what I'm really looking forward to is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah, me too. That just looks really interesting to me, and I'm always curious. So much curiosity. That's going to be the word I can't say in the next episode. <laughs> I'm always curious about what Melissa McCartney's doing. Mm. I will support that woman as best I can. Yeah. And Happy Time Murders? Well, I didn't get to go to that, but... <laughs> Did you want to? Are you excited about it? Will you support her? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would. I would go and I'd sit there. I'm a little hesitant, but... I'm really excited about this one. Mm. I'm really happy to support her in this one because it looks like she's, you know, 
I like when she does like funny, silly comedy, and then she does one where it's a little more. It requires I like a Saint lot more. Vincent. Yeah, mm. so I like it when she does one, 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 one. I know that that's like in like insane to expect in the right. real world. I don't think that's an accurate ratio of her work, but but she has dabbled a little bit, and I, I I'm interested too. Lord knows she needs a freaking. Oh um, yeah, I think her ratio is more like one four. Yeah, it's it. Um, she definitely needs a hit creatively because she's amazing. Yeah. I mean. Even in, like, The Kid, she's there for just a few minutes. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so amazing just mm. in those few minutes. I love you so much. You know, when you just see an actress and you're like, I know you. Yeah. I can relate to you. Yeah. So, the so other we're one. we're both looking forward to that. What's okay. the next one you're looking forward to? And the next one I'm looking forward to is The Kindergarten Teacher, actually. Ah. Now, um, that's one that I overlooked in oh. in my in my uh, assessment of what's coming out. But that is uh, coming out, and that stars, just so everybody knows, uh, it's directed by Sarah Colangelo, who is a director I'm not familiar with. But um, it stars Maggie Gyllenhaal. It is a remake of a 2014 Israeli film about a kindergarten teacher who gets a little bit too interested in a student. What are your thoughts on it? I think something that I'm craving right now is teachers who are insanely fighting for their kids that they teach. And I know that's a weird thing to crave. Oh, yeah. It's very specific. (laughs) I know. It's weird, right? But I, like, I am really looking forward to, you know, seeing someone like Maggie Gyllenhaal. I like her, too. Really going to bat for this kid. Okay. And... I guess I can relate to it on a nanny level as well. I mean, the child that I look after right now, I can tell he's really freaking smart. And mm. it's good because his parents get it too. Okay. Um, but it would be a really weird situation if they didn't get it. And I, I, I'm just, I think this is going to be amazing. And I would totally watch the original too. Yeah, so she does take things a little too far from what I've seen. Uh, I mean, you probably shouldn't go that far, but... But, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I loved. Um, On the Gibson Review, I voted her the best actress to come from the last decade, uh, edging out Kate Winslet, or the best actress of the last decade. And I love seeing her doing dramatic work. I I haven't gotten that opportunity enough lately, so I kind of hunger for seeing her and... and, uh, she, she looks exceptional in this film. I'm really looking forward to seeing her in this film for sure. Uh, what's the last movie you're looking forward to? So far, uh, we're two for two on movies. Oh, we're you're both looking, looking forward, forward to, to that as well? Yes, yes. Oh, I thought you just wanted to chit-chat about it. No, okay. no. <laughs> what's, the, what's the third film that you're looking forward to? Or is there one? There is. There's certainly enough to look forward to. I think that was... Uh, I can't remember if it was like the spring that we did it or the last fall one that we did where I didn't have enough that I was looking forward to. But I believe it's uh, Bad Times at El Royale. Oh, okay. I'm just like, what is this? You know, it almost feels like, you know when you get that curiosity, oh my gosh, there we go again. (laughs) When, whenever you see a Quentin Tarantino film and you're like, yes, take my money. I, I, I don't care what you're making. Just, just entertain me the way you do I feel kind of like that with this film okay I'm like I 
kind of how I felt about Inglorious Bastards when I saw the trailer. It's like, I don't know exactly what this is, but I would love for you to take my money. <laughs> so I'm It interested. looks a little bonkers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I actually feel like there's a lot less in October to be excited about. So, and that's probably why you and I are excited about a couple of the same movies. But but there is one other movie I'm, I'm looking forward to, and that is First Man. The trailer to First Man definitely communicates a certain degree of intensity about the reality of the mission that Neil Armstrong was undertaking. Mm. And Damien Chazelle, you know, he's two for two so far with Whiplash and La La Land, making some of the best movies of each year, some of the best movies wow. of this decade. So I'm fully on board for a first man. I'm seeing what he does with Ryan Gosling once again. Uh, so that's October, and we have one more month to go. Let's see what comes out in November. November begins with The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, which appears to be a Disney fantasy co-directed by Lassie Hallstrom of What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Joe Johnston of The Rocketeer and Captain America First Avenger. How did they think to put those two together? That's fascinating. It is fascinating. It stars Kira Knightley, Mackenzie Foy, Richard E. Grant... Uh, Helen Mirren and Morgan Freeman and Misty Copeland. That basically is... Oh, that totally makes sense. (laughs) A fantasy spin on the Nutcracker Ballet. We have Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a biopic about the band Queen, made famous in the 70s and 80s. That's directed by Brian Singer and stars Remy Malek. Then we have Tyler Perry film Nobody's Fool, starring Tiffany Haddish. And Whoopi Goldberg, it's Tyler Perry, so I'm sure hilarity ensues. We have A Boy Erased, which is the latest film by actor Joel Edgerton. He's directed a couple movies before, like The Gift, a couple years ago. This stars Lucas Hedges and Joel, Joel Edgerton, Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe. Basically, Lucas Hedges comes out as gay, his uh, parents... It's against the parents of religion, and um, his dad sends Lucas Hedges to a school to be basically, oh, what's the word? To be con- to go on to undergo gay conversion therapy. So that feels, seems like a really intense drama called Boy Erased. We have a private war starring Rosamund Pike and Jamie Dornan and Stanley Tucci. This is about a slain war correspondent, Marie Colvin. She she died in a bombing in Syria in 2012. So that should be a lot of fun. Oh Um, gosh, okay love. (laughs) Jason Reitman hits back again this year. After Tully, he's coming back already with The Front Runner. Starring Hugh Jackman, Vera Farmigan, J.K. Simmons, and Alfred Molina. Now, the front runner appears to be... It is based on Matt Bly's book, All the Truth is Out, The Week Politics Went Tabloid. It's about Gary Hart's 1980 presidential campaign and the alleged extramarital affair that derailed it. So that should be interesting. We have also that same weekend, The Grinch, 
the latest telling oh, of... Oh, it's going to be so cute. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And animated. Yep, it's animated. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch. I honestly can't recognize his voice as the Grinch, which is interesting. And the doggy makes him like a cappuccino. Yeah. With a face. And we have the girl in the spider's web, the, the second attempt at the dragon tattoo, or I should say the Millennium Series. By Stieg Larsson. Now that was, this time, that was the last book that was written, right? Uh, yes, was this the fourth was posthumously. One? Okay, this was written actually by someone else. Oh. But uh, this is starring Claire Foy as the main character. Overlord is a World War II crazy action horror film. I can't even begin to describe what this film is about, except some uh, unit in World War II parachute in to German territory, and they discover something deep in the bowels of, I don't know, a German fortress or a castle or something. Next we have, in November 16th, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, directed by David Yates, who's done a number of Harry Potter films, and written by J.K. Rowling. The stars Eddie Redmayne, Catherine Waterston, Allison Sodil, Dan Fogler, uh, Dan Fogler, I mean, Ezra Miller, Jude Hall, Johnny Depp, Joey Kravitz. The list goes on. I wonder what it's like for J.K. Rowling to now go from, you know, publishing books to, well, let's just write straight up for film. Of, of her world that she's created. I wonder what that's like for her. I'm sure it's great for her bank account. Well, yes, no, we all know that, but I want to know <laughs> what it's like for her experience and her soul, and mm. I, I want to know how she's doing. Yeah, I have a feeling she gets some satisfaction out of it. Next is Widows, the, next, the latest film from 12 Years a Slave director Steve McQueen. This is written. By Gillian Flynn of Gone Girl. Oh my gosh, it looks stars, amazing. Stars Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, ah. Colin Farrell, Danielle Kaluuya, uh, Carrie Coon, Jackie Weaver, John Bernthal, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson. Pretty big, sizable cast as a heist thriller about a group of women whose husbands just died in the middle of doing a heist. They're, they are clearly a bunch of criminals. And these women are uh, teaming up together to have payback, basically. It reminds me of that film from the 90s, Bella Mafia. Oh, I never saw that. You didn't? Well, let's, uh, let's try to finish up through the Thanksgiving weekend here. We have Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is... For all the fangirls, we get to see the Disney princesses have a chat. Uh, so to clarify, this is the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph 2. It stars John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, Jack McBrayer, Jane Lynch, Taraji P. Henson, Gal Gadot. <laughs> and interestingly enough, Alan Tudyk is back. What is Gal Who is Gal Gadot? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know who she plays. Oh, but okay. uh, Creed 2 also comes out. This is co-written by Sil uh, Sylvester Stallone. This is a sequel, of course, to Creed, a direct sequel to Creed, which is itself a sequel slash spin-off of the Rocky series. Robin Hood. Yes, there's another crack at the Robin Hood legend starring Taron Edgerton of the Kingsmen with Jamie Foxx, Ben Mendelsohn, and others. 
And we have Green Book, directed by Peter Farrelly, who I think may be one half of the Farrelly brothers. This is a story starring Viggo Mortensen and Maharshala Ali. Ha, I got through the name. And Linda Cardellini about Ali plays a famed black pianist back in the early 60s who goes on a concert tour of the Deep South and Vigo Mortensen plays an Italian-American bouncer hired to protect him. And of course, racial differences ensue. Then we have Second Act, which is the latest comedy with Jennifer Lopez, also Vanessa Hudgens, Leah Remini, and Milo Ventimiglia, all-star in that. Yorgos Lothamos' latest film, The Favorite, comes out. That stars Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, Nicholas Holt. The Favorite is a, that's right, is a period tale of royal servants gunning for Queen Anne's affections in 18th century England. So that could be interesting. And then we have Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a teen movie set in a zombie apocalypse in England that is also a musical. And then lastly, Barry Jenkins of Moonlight is back with If Beale Street Could Talk. That stars Regina Keene and Dave Franco. That is about... That is based on the James Baldwin 1974 novel about a pregnant woman racing to prove the innocence of her fiance who's been falsely accused of rape. So, Shanna, there's a lot more in November to mine. Uh, what are you most excited about? All right, Bohemian Rhapsody. That mm -hmm. looks phenomenal the minute i saw that trailer like the first 10 second like five seconds i recognized what song it was i recognized that they were having someone play freddie mercury yeah. and i was like oh my fucking god this is so fucking exciting it's going to be spectacular my favorite line from that trailer is like it must be the music producer or the radio producer and uh, he's like, and then you go on for six bloody minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. They comment, you know, on well, six minutes isn't that long, actually. And if it is too long for you, well, then so you have a problem. Kind of come well, back. A sexual he didn't problem say, yeah. Well, I just I thought that was yeah. a great insult. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm not usually into those insults, but uh, that was great. Gotcha. So I'm just like, yes, 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 for that one. That, that's not yeah. one you're looking forward to? Well, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, didn't definitely. Didn't make your list? Didn't uh, make the no, cut? I had, I had to I had to pare it down because there's a lot to choose from. But mm -hmm. I am definitely, I got excited when I saw that trailer for sure. Oh, yeah. So the next one that I'm looking forward to is The Girl in the Spider's Web. I really? Think. Oh, yes. Okay. You know what? Give me any female vigilante, any female kicking ass, taking names. Bringing down sure, sure, the, the opposite sex and all that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kill it! Yeah. So that looks very exciting. And I know you had commented on how, well, that's not usually her style is to be like it's not her that, character. you know, forceful or whatever. But I'm well, like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. Oh, She's, okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm all saying right. they're turning a character who's essentially just a super researcher and hacker mm. into a vigilante. 
um, that people come to, well, women come to when they've been abused by men. And that concerns me. Well, is that how the book portrayed her? The ones written by Stieg Larsson? No. The ones written mm. by Stieg Larsson are, it's a three-part series, yeah. you know. Well, this could be a very interesting, could have a very interesting discussion and comparison between, you know, the trilogy and then versus this film. Yeah. Uh, maybe this film is a result of the trilogy of what women want. Haha, <laughs> what women want. So the next film I'm looking forward to is Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. Because that looks so ticklish. Yeah, it looks like a me. lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. And it's almost self-explanatory why that would be too especially if you've seen the trailer so those are all great picks the first one i have to say is widows steve mcqueen you are yeah steve mcqueen you know 12 years a slave i'm not a big fan of shame one of his other movies um but i do like his work in general he has a very interesting style i'm very surprised to hear he's doing a heist film so i'm very interested in how he handles a heist film especially one with the cast that he has. Uh, it is very exciting. And to see more of Michelle Rodriguez, honestly, outside the Fast and the Furious franchise, doing something with yes, a director right. like Steve McQueen is actually very exciting to me, too. And then it was kind of hard for me to choose aside from the ones that you picked. So just kind of equally and briefly, I would say Front Runner because it's Jason Reitman and Hugh Jackman. And it's a political drama, so I'd be very interested in that. I, I tend to be very interested in political dramas. And I haven't seen the trailer, which just released this past weekend. But I am curious about that for sure. And I'd say equally Green Book or Boy Erased. Those look like two different types of dramas. One's a little bit more lighthearted and a little more approachable. Mm -hmm. And another is just a very serious probably here through awards season very stirring drama well, about a boy going undergoing gay conversion therapy and you know family that can't accept him or has a hard time accepting him for who he is uh, looks like great dramatic work by russell crowe and maybe Ooh. some good work by nicole kidman again that would be nice that would be nice i love nicole kidman i think she's got her second wind if that I makes sense so. yeah yeah um, I think it's very interesting that there's two films that have come out that are out this year that you know have the theme of gay reformation from a religious standpoint right. because it's not just that one it's also uh, the miseducation of Cameron Post right, right right and that's supposed to come out that's out is it out yeah okay. that's been out yeah I, I wish I could see it it's not in our area yeah. Very cool. So that's our fall movie preview. I will say one last thing. I'm looking at this magazine with A Star Is Born, and as much as I was extremely cynical about a remake of A Star Is Born, and I see this magazine, I see the trailer, and I, I'm getting more and more sold on, on checking that out. Ah. Um, Have you seen the original? Well, okay, so that's a funny question because I think the original dates back to the 1930s. I have seen the Judy Garland one, even more so, I've seen the restored Julie Garland version, oh. which I understand is considered the best of all the A Star is Born tellings. Some people like Barbara, Barbara Streisand's version with Chris Christopherson. I'm not a huge Barbara Streisand fan, so I haven't seen that, but I have seen the Julie Garland one. 
I, I am very curious about that film. It looks like it's going to be really good. Yeah, it could be. It could be, and that would be great. Um, I'd be very happy for Bradley Cooper if that's the case. I'd be happy but, for Gaga. Uh, that's it. But what are the films that you're looking forward to this fall movie season? Email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. And now it's time. Oh, no. No, I have a very good question. Oh. Which month are you looking most forward to? September. Ah, okay. Easily. Shanna, before we move on to our next episode, where can people find you on the internet? Guys, you can find me at Shanna underscore Paxton on Instagram. That's S-H-A-N-N-A underscore P-A-X-T-O-N. See you there. Very cool. And you can find me at thegibsonreview.com. You'll find all the archives and the original Film Faves 1993 article. Uh, you can also go to Facebook slash The Gibson Review to find links as well as third-party links and mini reviews or shared content. Oh, let's see. Go to Flick Church slash The Gibson 99 to see my list of all the movies that I have seen to date. And, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a review uh, so that way we can get more attention and more uh, people can find us a little easier. Oh, yes. Please be constructive and kind. We do appreciate that, and I promise, I swear, one of these days I will get us on Google Play. I just need a wealth of time to, to deal with that. Next time on The Movie Lovers, uh, we will be trying to review Paul Feig's latest film, A Simple Favor. Obviously, a movie that we're most interested in in our fall movie preview. That'll be the first one, and if for some reason we can't see that, we'll tr we will do The Predator, which I'm sure Shannon's looking forward to. But A Simple Favor will be our first uh, attempt. Do keep in mind, some of our viewing is dependent on movie passes, um, nutty schedule, and our nutty schedules as well. But keep an eye out for that. That should be the 18th of September. Until then... This is Jeff and Shanna saying keep loving the movies. Bye-bye.